0: Welcome back to 21 Steps, an audiobook podcast by M.A. Box. Chapter 9 Derek had a busy morning, preparing his kids for the day, making sure they were fed, clean, and dressed. Although he had done this frequently, today it seemed almost overwhelming. The thought of having to do this alone every day from now on was just too much to consider right now. He went through the morning in sort of a daze, picking up clothes, playing with the kids, and still trying to understand why his wife was no longer there to make him smile. His life had changed so much in just an instant that he didn't know if he would ever be able to make it feel normal again. Patrick had resorted to playing with Legos in his room over the last few days. He had built an amazing castle only to tear it down and start all over again. Derek tried to talk to him, getting down and helping him to build the bridge leading up to the front door, but was shut out with a simple, "'I'm okay, Dad,' response from his son. He could see that his son was not, in fact, okay, and that his eyes showed deep sadness and maybe even fear. He didn't know if Patrick really understood where his mother was and that she wasn't going to come back. Throughout the day, Derek made time to speak with his son and to make sure that he was present, He knew from experience that sometimes that is the most important thing. He didn't want Patrick to know what it felt like to be alone when he needed someone most. As for Tyler, he was too young for Derek to be able to try to speak to him about these complex events. He tried to comfort him when Tyler got really tired and started crying and calling for his mother. But most of the time, he ended up just holding him and telling him it would be okay, while Tyler cried himself to sleep. Derek had been more of a bystander as he watched Leslie do all of the work to raise the children. He regretted this and he thought maybe if he would have been a little more active in his children's life, he would have known just what to do to get Tyler to sleep at night and how to make sure that he always took a nap. Around 11.30, Derek prepared to take the kids to his parents at the hotel so he could go down to the station and talk to the detective who said he had more questions. He couldn't figure out why he still had to talk about his wife, their relationship, and the things that may have contributed to or caused her death. He didn't know how to answer those questions. He only knew that he loved her, he always had, and that he missed her. Derek loaded the kids into the station wagon and started to drive. His parents were expecting the children and they were looking forward to the pool. Tyler was talking in the back seat about something that had to do with what sounded like a floating alligator. Although Derek could understand very little of what his small son was saying, He kept encouraging him to talk and share with him statements like, Oh, how fun. His mind was wandering and he thought back to the time when he was younger and his mother was taking him to go swimming for the day. Derek was four years old but couldn't remember it very well. His mother finally had woken up for the day and started yelling at Derek from the living room. By the time Derek finally made it to the living room, his mother was laughing, sitting on the old orange couch in front of the TV. Through the laughter she said, go get some shorts on, kid, we're going swimming. Derek wondered if his mother had ever been pretty. He couldn't remember thinking so, but his dad talked about her sometimes as if she was. Her blonde hair was never combed, but rather poked out in all directions, except for the back, which was flat from her sleeping. He could see her head through the thinness and pieces of hair were always breaking off and covering the furniture. Her eyes were black underneath and she looked old. Her fingernails were all broken into funny lengths and yellow. Her teeth and the whites of her eyes were the same dingy yellow, but the middle were a brilliant blue, reminding Derek of the ocean he had seen in pictures. He often wondered if he could just take away the clouds covering that ocean. Would it be sunny there again? That day, he remembered she wore a long, teal T-shirt that had an advertisement on it for the local hamburger drive-in over a pair of black stretch pants that she had been wearing for three days or more and she never washed them. Today, Derek didn't care because he was going swimming. Derek found the only pair of shorts that he owned and put them on. He grabbed two towels from the bathroom off of the floor and ran to the living room. He was so excited he could hardly stand it. He rounded the corner into the living room and found that his mother was asleep again on the couch with a smoldering cigarette in her hand. Derek was so disappointed his heart hurt. There was always lots of disappointments with his mother, but he couldn't remember being so disappointed. He took the cigarette from his mother's hand and put it in the ashtray on the counter as he walked back to his bedroom, putting the towels back on the floor as he went. He sat down on his bedroom floor and cried. Derek pulled into the hotel parking lot and got the kids out of the car. He grabbed their swimming toys and noticed what Tyler had been talking about. He had an alligator tube that could be blown up and floated in. He took the kids to his parents' room and quickly came back out. He needed a moment to relax and collect his thoughts before he had to meet with a detective, so he went to the diner for lunch and a cup of coffee. Derek sat in the corner booth not wanting to be recognized by anyone because he really didn't feel like talking today or trying to be nice to people who gave him their condolences. He just wanted to be alone. He ordered a cup of coffee, and when it came, he added one scoop of sugar and two small cups of cream. He stirred it in until it became a nice caramel color. His friends used to tease him about ruining his coffee, but he liked it this way, hot and sweet. He ordered a hamburger and fries. He wished that Leslie was here now. She would tell him that he really needed to be careful about what he ate, and follow it by, "'You know, heart disease is the number one killer,' "'She would have had a grilled chicken salad "'with ranch dressing on the side "'and sweet tea with lemon. "'He added extra mayonnaise to his burger "'and took a big bite. "'He was expecting it to taste amazing, "'but realized then that it might as well have been dirt. "'He couldn't taste. "'All his senses, and come to think of it, "'his whole body felt numb. "'He kept eating, though, "'and finished his high-calorie flavorless burger "'and coffee before he left to go "'and speak with the detective. "'When he arrived in the parking lot,' He went over all the ideas in his head that he thought the detective may ask but his thoughts were scattered and he couldn't seem to concentrate on one thing. He assumed he was going to be asked about her illnesses and also about any fights they had recently had. He tried to prepare answers for each and knew that he and Leslie had an amazing relationship and that they had loved one another through the ups and downs. He always loved her no matter what. He thought about possible questions mentally and came up with some ideas of how he would respond when asked. Derek walked into the police department and asked the receptionist for Detective Parker. Charlie came up to greet him and took him back to his office, where he sat behind a note and paper-covered desk. He really did need to clean it up. Hey, Derek, Charlie said. Thank you for coming down here to meet with me today. I know this can be very hard, but I really do appreciate your time. I have a few more questions that I would like to ask you. Okay. First of all, how are you holding up? I know this can be very hard. I'm doing okay, but what he meant was, I'm still breathing. Derek wondered how he knew it would be hard. He didn't think anybody could understand how hard it was and what he was going through, but he bit his tongue and tried to be polite. Okay, well that's good. I talked to both you and Leslie's parents over the last couple of days, and I want to talk to you about some of the things that were brought up. Jumping right in. Let's talk about your post-traumatic stress disorder. I was told you were diagnosed with this. Is that true? Yes, shortly after I came home from Iraq, I was having trouble sleeping, so I went to the doctor. Tell me about that. What doctor did you go to and why did they diagnose you with PTSD? I got home from Iraq and I was having a hard time sleeping. I would wake up in the middle of the night screaming sometimes, and so Leslie told me that I needed to see someone. So I called the VA, about a month and a half later, I got in. Okay, so what happened at the VA? Well, I met with a doctor and told him about the symptoms that I was having. He told me it could be a sign of PTSD, so he scheduled me an appointment a month later with another doctor. I went a month later, did a ton of tests, and the doctor told me that it looked probable and that I really needed to make sure I got good sleep and he gave me some sleeping pills they only gave you sleeping pills? Yeah, at the time. Then when that didn't really help, I had to go back after a couple of months and they put me on some light anti pills, but that didn't really work either. I kept trying to schedule appointments and they got moved, or I go in and they would tell me to just keep trying the pills and to add in exercise and eating well, so I do. I'm doing better now, but it is because of time, not because of what they have done for me. Was there ever a time that you thought that you might hurt someone? What do you mean hurt someone? Do you think I hurt Leslie? I didn't. I could never hurt my wife. I'm just wondering if you ever got to the point where you scared yourself because of thoughts of hurting yourself or someone else. No, I haven't. That was one of those rehearsed answers. Derek didn't want to add any fuel to their fire, not to mention he was embarrassed to admit it himself. Okay, I understand. So what are some of the other symptoms that you have that convinced you to seek treatment? I just couldn't sleep, so I was really tired all day long, and I really didn't want to do a lot. I also had bad dreams if I did sleep. It just got to be too much for Leslie, that's all. She didn't like me waking her up in the middle of the night or keeping her awake by tossing and turning. What kind of dreams were you having? Charlie asked very curiously. I don't know. They just kept me up. I can't remember what they were about exactly. Another question that Derek just didn't want to talk about. All right, well let's move on. I know we have done this before, but tell me again about the night that Leslie died. I went to my parents' house with the kids. We left that morning and returned that night. When I came home, I was surprised Leslie didn't come to meet us, and I assumed she had gone to bed early. So, I put the kids to bed. I realized there was water running upstairs, so I went to the bathroom and found her lying upside down in the bathtub. So, I called 911. And what time did you say you got home? I think it was sometime around 11. We went to the movie around 5 and I came home after that. Is there something that I need to know, detective? I mean, you sure are asking a lot of questions about an accidental drowning death. Is there something else I should know? These are just routine questions and we have to follow up on all deaths to ensure that we have covered all of our bases. For you and your family, we want to be very thorough. I hope that you understand this, sir. We are just trying to make sure we give your wife the time that she deserves. You said that Leslie had been feeling ill that day. I know we talked about this before, but had she been sick lately, and what was it that she said made her ill? Leslie hadn't been sick at all lately. She was very healthy. She just said she had a headache and wasn't feeling well. That was all. I didn't think a lot of it. I figured the last thing she would want to do with a pounding headache was drive to my parents' house and back. Had she done this in the past? Try not to go to your parents' house? No, she usually goes with us, she just wasn't feeling good. Okay, Derek, thank you. I may have more questions, but I will let you know. Thanks again for coming in. Here, I'll walk you out. Charlie reached across the desk and shook Derek's hand, and then led him to the front door. Derek left the building, and Charlie turned to go back to his desk. Detective Parker, I have a package over here for you, said the woman at the front desk. "'Charlie grabbed the package and read the name along the top. "'These must be the medical records that I have been waiting for,' Charlie thought, "'as he walked back to his office. "'He sat down at the desk and pulled out an old silver letter opener "'that had the emblem of the police department on the top. "'He slid it along the top of the manila envelope. "'He pulled out a large stack of papers with small writing and lengthy words on each page. "'He hoped he would be able to understand enough to know what was happening with Derek and Leslie.' The first page that Charlie picked up referred to Leslie Sterling. It gave all of the basic information, her name, date of birth, location of birth, and a list of childhood illnesses, none of which seemed very severe, but more typical, like the chicken pox and the flu. As he turned the page, it was more of the same, only now there was also pneumonia once and a severely pulled ligament in her knee that she had to go to physical therapy for. Charlie wondered if this is what had stopped her running career. There were no signs of depression or anything psychological. She had also never been seen for anything that resembled abuse in any way, although that doesn't always mean anything. Sometimes women stay away from the hospital at all costs when they are being abused, so their significant other doesn't get in trouble, and they don't get smacked around harder. The births of their two children were also in the paperwork, and it looked like everything went smoothly there. Leslie had a pretty lucky life, Charlie thought, at least when it comes to illnesses. He couldn't figure out, with such a small list of medical concerns, how Leslie could have naturally just died while getting into the bathtub. She was healthy, fit, obviously ate well, and exercised. Her medical records showed that she was not a smoker or a heavy drinker, and that she had never reported serious headaches in the past, which made Charlie think that the headache that day didn't have anything to do with her death. The autopsy didn't find anything, and Charlie really started to wonder what really happened to Leslie. The second stack of papers that he picked up was Derek Sterling's, and was much thicker than those of Leslie. The first page started the same way, with birth date, birth location, and again childhood diseases. Up until the age of eight, everything appeared to be fairly normal for Derek. But shortly thereafter, things changed. Derek started seeing a counselor at the age of eight. No diagnosis was documented, but it showed that it was required by the state due to a traumatic event. Derek assumed that was probably the death of his mother. Then later in life, he came in for many bloody noses due to fights in school, an overdose, a broken wrist, and it just went downhill from there. It looked to Charlie like the war wasn't the only rough time in Derek's life. In fact, it looked like his entire life had been tough. Unfortunately, there weren't a lot of details in the medical records, and Charlie wished that he knew more behind each incident. He didn't know if it would relate to the case, but it just seemed fascinating that a kid with such a troubled life had grown up to be what Derek was today. He wanted to know what made him tick, but he also knew he had to respect his privacy, and he probably shouldn't ask if he wasn't expecting a relevant answer. As he moved forward in the file, he found that Derek had passed a physical for the Army and had joined shortly thereafter. From that point forward, every illness that he had was treated through the VA, and was mostly documents of psychological evaluations. It didn't appear to Charlie that Derek had been injured in the war, or that he had many, if any, illnesses upon returning. Derek had been telling the truth. His appointments at the VA had been consistently almost every three months, and he had been given sleeping pills and mild antidepressants, but not a lot of treatment and definitely not any medications that would really impact Derek's diagnosed disorder. This was very concerning to Charlie, as he had just read the symptoms of PTSD and how it can greatly affect a person in the most negative of ways. Those symptoms were very serious and could really affect his life and the life of his family. Charlie actually felt sad for Derek. Derek had been knocking a door for the past two years, only to find there was nobody there to open it. He had been trying to get help for him and his family and had been turned away. Charlie felt very frustrated for him. Tune in next time as we continue 21 Steps.